Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. Thanks for joining in for Concept 17. Today's concept is beer. I'm at Boonshine Brewing Company with my friend Tim Herdklotz. Hey, Tim. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for letting me be here. This is a great spot. I love how you guys are expanding, and thanks for showing me around. Uh, I want to get into some of your story in a few minutes, but the first thing I want to get into, anyone that clicked on this and they saw the word beer, they probably want to learn about beer first. So let's talk about the history of beer. What is it? <laughs> yeah, sir. It's a good question. So, well, I mean, beer is at its core, it's, it's basically, and if you looked it up, if you look up the Webster's definition, it's, it'll say yeah. something like a, an alcoholic beverage that's made from water, malted barley, hops, and yeast, something to that effect. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's really deeper than that. It, it's a beverage that actually goes back to the days of Mesopotamia and actually ancient Egypt. Mm. Um, it, it's an interesting story. Um, you can you can Google history of beer, or there's lots of books uh, that talk about a lot of this, but the, the gist of the story is that, you know, there were, society was developing and as part of that developing, they started, uh, you know, initially people were hunters and gatherers, right? You just yeah. were moving around and that's how they were finding their food and, and that's the way uh, communities worked. And then it yeah. started, they started domesticating um, wheat and right. barley and cereal grains basically because they started then making bread yeah. uh, from those grains. And in that process with them growing these cereal grains and uh, those cereal grains... Um, getting mixed with rainwater at some point and the possibility or the likely possibility of wild fermentation happening because from wild yeast that was available, that's everywhere, um, mm. you would have the first malt beverage or the first cereal beverage, which is basically uh, the, the beginnings of what we call beer today. Wow. So it was an accident or... Uh, I think initially it probably was a, a happy accident. Uh -huh, I mean, right. uh, it was uh, something that happened. I think um, that, uh, you know, imagine you had grain storage uh, right. and that uh, inside the grain, um, this is getting into a little bit of how um, beer actually works, but inside yeah. the grain, are, are, the grains are, are starches. Okay. And if you mix those, if you mix, add water to those starches, a chemical reaction can happen. There's more required to make it happen, but a chemical yeah. reaction happens and basically creates sugar. And that sugar, it's basically sugar water at that point, right. um, then uh, is just sitting out in the open in ancient Egypt. Imagine it's And that's a, what yeast uh, eats is yeah, the sugar so, stuff? Exactly. So in making beer, yeast basically eats sugars and create alcohol and flavors um, that we associate with alcoholic beverages. With beer, it happens to be primarily from sugar that you get from malted barley. So at this point, and we'll get more into how you make it and stuff, but at, but at this point now, you are sort of controlling and telling the yeast what to do, but that wasn't how it used to be? Right. So um, for a long time in the process of um, alcoholic beverages, whether it was beer or whether it was wine, um, they didn't know, or people did not know what yeast was. They knew that there was something magical that was happening. That's amazing. There were some visible signs. Um, one of the stories that I like to tell related to beer is that, um, that one of the very first names for yeast and, and how they came about that name. Um, so imagine you're in ancient Egypt 
and you come out and you see you've got some grains and you recognize that when you added water to these to these cereal grains um, and something magical happened but there was like a uh, a foam on the top of it or you but know, not you all the time just sometimes yeah it wouldn't necessarily always happen the same way but imagine coming out in the morning and looking at your your urn of uh, cereal grains and water and noticing that the top there was some activity on the top right. of it or, and uh one of the very first words that became associated with yeast was god is good so they would they would come right. out and they would see it and they would say god is good right like god made this happen overnight mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a good idea for if you're ever at a wedding and you have a drink in your hand and it's time to make a toast. Exactly. Go ancient. That is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ancient that's toast. Where the yeast came from. Um, so it's pretty cool that connection. If you fast forward a little bit, actually a long way, mm -hmm. um, we didn't really know what yeast is um, until Louis Pasteur. Wow. Of course, we know of him as pasteurization right, and right. you learn about him in school but he actually did the the work in actually discovering what yeast actually is wow um, what it actually is it's a single cell organism that's part it's technically a fungus um, but it it eats sugars and creates alcohol kind of at the yeah. highest level but so well, so beer goes wow. all the way back to ancient time mesopotamia um, egypt and had to do yeah. with uh you know they were starting to domesticate uh, in their culture and they developed grains and we're starting to farm. And, um, there's some, there are some theories out there. I don't know, you know, who knows what's, what's really true here, but there are, there are lots of theories that actually give a lot of weight to either bread or bread and or beer actually playing a really key role in the development of our society as a whole. Yeah. You know, well, because sort of staples. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, speaking of history, I don't remember when this was, but I think we've been friends for about 11 years and uh, five, six, seven, eight, I don't know. Somewhere, I remember you were making beer, but it was the home style and you were talking about the idea of wanting to start a company, which I'm sure every, you know, every other person who's brewed with a bucket has, has said, we could start a business with this. But I know that when I've made, <coughs> sorry. Anyone listening, just please forgive both Tim and I. We're both feeling under the weather. So we're going to be, our throats are scratchy. We're going to be maybe coughing. But yeah. I, <clears throat> I've i made beer with some friends. It was not good enough to sell to anyone. <laughs> so talk about that process. I already know some of it. So some of it will just be you telling me what I already know. But I'm sure there will be more. But when did you think, hey, let's do something more than just me and a buddy make some beer and you know when did that become an idea and when did that become more than just an idea but hey i'm going to transition my whole life talk through some of that stuff your career transitions and all that yeah so um i'll talk first maybe just about um home brewing and kind of yeah. the making beer in, in five gallon batches and how that have ended up how now we're making more than that and then yeah. and then we can maybe circle back and talk yeah. about how i got there um just career wise but um, so I was, I first homebrewed back in the early nineties, uh, with some friends. I was living in Atlanta at the time and, um, was working in the software development field and, um, had some friends and one of them, one of my friends, um, Chris, he says, uh, we should make our own beer. And I, I said, sure, well, let's make our own beer. Yeah, let's fun. figure it out. Right. And there was, I think, you know, one homebrew store near us in Atlanta and they had a, you know, real small selection of ingredients, but you could get a book and you could read a book and 
sort of figure out how to make a five gallon batch of beer. And so we did that. And, um, you know, the first, I remember the first batches of beer, we were so proud of having made beer and it was, it was pretty terrible. Um, there's <laughs> lots of, uh, reasons for that. Um, <laughs> lots of things you can do to, uh, to make really good homebrew, but you know, you're just learning, you're trying to keep yeah. things simple. And, and, and it's so, just sort of fun to do it with a friend or two. Yeah. Yeah. And so it goes back all the way into the early nineties and in the, in the early nineties, there weren't very many craft beers on the market that you could buy that were technically, you know, kind of like craft beer that we have today. There were just a handful. I think Sam Adams was uh, starting to be available. Um, there was a company called Pete's Pete's Wicked Ale mm -hmm. was a particular beer that I remember back in those days. Um, and so there was just the Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale was yeah, yeah. early on the scene, very influential in craft beer. But I was interested in flavors you know, like those beers, and so that led me to do some home brewing. Yeah. So we did that um, in Atlanta and, and got more and more serious about it. But then I just didn't homebrew for a while. I think my buddy moved away and took some time off. But uh, then I was here in Boone. Um, life kind of moved us here and um, ran into it. My I started Boonshine uh, with a, a with a partner, Carson Coatney. Yeah. He and I were the the both the founders or are both the founders of the business, and um, he was also a home brewer. Okay. And so he had experience brewing beer, and um, I literally ran into him one night at um, what's the yogurt shop? Um, the um, uh, what is it called? The uh, Sweet Frog. Sweet Frog. Okay, yeah. Thank you. That's like the the frog. Sweet Frog. Carson and I ran into each other at Sweet Frog, and I said, "Hey, we should start a brewery." And this was before there were nice. any breweries in Boone yet. And he was like, "Yeah, we should do that." I was thinking the same thing. And so we said, "Well, let's just get together and talk about it." And so as doing that, we we got together and we started home brewing then together. And talking about just hey, let's see if we can make good homebrew first, and yeah, just yeah. kick around some ideas and see if it turns into anything. We didn't know if it, if it would or not, but we started homebrewing together, and it was right about the time where um, the sort of this is a sec the wave that we're in right now with the craft beer revolution, if you want to call it that, is we're in like the second big wave of that. Back okay. in the early to mid '90s, it was sort of a first wave of craft beer. All of a sudden. A number of small breweries were popping up and mm -hmm. uh, it, it faded out a little bit but now it's been back for a number of years now we're in that second wave and Carson kind of he and I both had seen that and there weren't any breweries yet here in Boone right I think there was one other one that was um, in planning um, uh -huh. and headed down that path but we got together and just homebrewed together and worked on recipes and ideas and just brainstormed how we might someday do this um, ourselves and I was in the middle of a career transition at that point. I was ready to do something new. We can talk yeah. a little bit more about that um, as we go. But um, basically, we spent a lot of time making five-gallon batches of beer and sort of dreaming and planning how we might start something bigger. And it ended up being called Boonshine. And now we're almost four years into it. Okay. Maybe four years, July 1st, that we sold our first beer. Well, it went. I feel like it quickly became a household name in Boone. Uh, but that's the, you're on this end of it. And it's like, yeah, people know about it. And you've expanded and we're in a, your new uh, brewery location for so you can have more space. But rewind though, because you went from, what was it? A 20 year career 
in one field, roughly one field, to, hey, I'm going to start a business that isn't the field. I mean, that's a risk. Talk me through why you took that risk and and then maybe like why you value, and this might not be directly related to beer itself, but Boone itself in the high country, like why you value the idea of a local company of any kind in this town, in this county. Sure. Um, so I'll tell a little bit about my story there. Um, it goes all the way back to um, the early 90s. I, had, I got a second degree here at App State. And so spent, as part of that, I think I was here for about two years in the early 90s, like 91, 92, somewhere in there. And um, I grew up off the mountain in, in, a, in an area that was pretty hot summers. And then mm -hmm. I spent two years up here. And I couldn't believe the quality of life just right. just with the weather in the summertime. I mean, that's we're really blessed to live where we do here. Yeah. So I kind of got the mountain summer bug right. uh, back then. And um, so fast forward a little bit, I got my first sort of real job. It started in Atlanta, and I ended up spending 20 years in the electronic payments business. So did some software development, some product management and corporate development. And this was kind of early. Of, now a lot of people are doing that like it's obvious, but it wasn't as obvious. And, no, I mean, this was back when actually before uh, the World Wide Web. So before there was an Internet browser, this was before that. Um, banks yeah. already had systems in place where they could move money between each other electronically. And they still use that system today. Yeah. But the company that I went to work for in Atlanta, basically built the software that banks use to move money back and forth electronically. And I worked with a small with a small team there specifically on um, consumer bill payment using the same network. So um, this was before, again, before the browser. This was before everyone had computers. This was in the early days of, of there was no online banking. Right. Um, and so we started uh, building a, a, an application that would allow you to pay your bills online. Initially, you started by um, picking up the phone and dialing in to a number that was your bank. And wow. it was like a voice, you know, yeah. we all know the voice systems now. That yeah. was It was not quite as fancy as what we have now, but it would say, you know, press number one to pay, pay yeah. number one or press number sure. two. And so that was the state and of the And somewhere art. along the line, you stayed with that <laughs> line of work, but ended up in Boone and by the time I met you, you were already here for several years doing that, and then you kept doing that. So you've been in Boone for We've been in Boone long? about 14 years. Yeah, I've been okay. back now. Yeah, so uh, I was in Atlanta for 13 years, did yeah. a number of different things in that business, uh, the business of online payments. I was, uh, was pretty cool, worked with a group that actually built the very first um, PC-based banking applications of any kind. Um, so it was kind of neat, but I, I bring that up to say we were creating, I was in a corporate setting, but we were creating things that had never been done before, uh -huh. creating something from scratch, which, which ties into what we're doing today or what we've done with Boonshine. But, yeah. um, so fast forward, uh, was in Atlanta area and then moved to Boone and then worked remotely for a while. Was, but if you were there for 20, not there, but in that company for 20 years, mm -hmm. right? The same company 20 for 20 years. years. That's right. I'd imagine that. Your job title kept getting fancier or whatever, and the, the, your, your business card kept getting sort of thicker and more important, so to speak. Was that difficult, leaving a 20-year career of sort of advancing, so to speak, into, into the unknown? 
Yeah, yes and no. I think um, for me, I reached a point in my career, in, in the corporate world in my career, where I realized that um, you know, I could, I could have stayed there and continued to have more and more responsibility and continued to maybe make more and more money as part of that. But what I realized is that with, with all of that, with, with, you know, how we define success in the corporate world also comes with it, you know, less and less time for family, less and less time for community. You know, you, you, you might have a, a big title somewhere, but, um, that to me got to a point where, you know, it just wasn't about the title or the money. Yeah. It was more important for me to be where I was in my community. And so moving back up here to Boone, the cool summers, the great yeah. climate that we have here, the fantastic people in this community, um, you know, for me, it was easy to make the decision that, you know what, what's there are things that are a lot more important in life than my job and mm -hmm. what I'm doing and any kind of prestige that comes from that there's way more important things and so i gave it up i was just ready yeah. to, for a change i was like i'm just going to do something else i'm going to move to boone i ended up working remotely for a while uh, when i moved to boone but i made a conscious decision to change quality of life based upon where i am and what i was doing that's ultimately led to me uh starting my own business uh, which is something that i had interest in you know along the way so um, people looking in, you know, I had lots of my friends that I was, friend, people that, co-workers that I worked with in the corporate world, I think they probably thought I was crazy yeah. to give that up. But it was a conscious decision that I made just literally about what's important in life. And, yeah. and I'm, you know, I wouldn't, I don't question that decision at all. Yeah. So I like to tell, I'll tell one for, funny story. Um, this is funny to me that my last days in the corporate world, I was, on my way to starting Boonshine, we had a business plan in place. We were literally getting ready to start. And I had one big, last big event that I had to uh, go to. Uh, it was like a sales award kind of an event. It actually was in Hawaii. So it was like a, it was really nice. Sounds it great. Was, yeah, sounds, sounds awesome, right? But I'm literally getting ready to resign from that company, you know, in the morning. And I'm at an event. And the event, they had a, it was a, an outdoor concert that they had for for us and it was a it was a concert of old rock and rollers like an all-star group they had a member from journey they had somebody nice. from the band boston and somebody right. from the band toto like i'm showing my age here right but like we were know, all really we were all really it was like <laughs> 80s rock and roll and i remember so I'm, I'm getting ready to resign the next day uh we're at this concert i'm enjoying the concert there was i remember distinctly there was craft beer there okay <laughs> and the song um by the band Boston, Peace of Mind, actually, the band played that song. And I'd never really listened to the lyrics that much. But to this day, every time I hear that song, I'm reminded of my story. And so the song right. goes something like this. I actually wrote it down. I love telling the story. The, one of the verses, this one just kind of hit me in the head. The verse says this. It says, now you're climbing to the top of the company ladder. Hope it doesn't take too long. Can't you see that there'll come a day when it won't matter? Come a day when you'll be gone. I understand about indecision, but I don't care if I get behind. People living in competition, all I want to have is my peace of mind. Mm. And to me, it was just like That's a perfect, awesome. it was a perfect conclusion to, you know, what I had done for 20 years. And I was getting ready to do something new. And that just sort of stuck with me as, as a beautiful. cool reminder of where I was going. Yeah. And so now you live, not only live in a community that that really focuses on supporting each other, 
local businesses, us wanting all the local businesses to thrive and partner together. Uh, but you also, you know, coined this phrase, making boonshine, part of a, uh, some local businesses that are really revitalizing East Boone and making East Boone a more desirable place to be. And, you know, this valuing the idea of sitting down and having a beer and having a good conversation with someone and making the beer and even helping to create the environment where those conversations happen. So let's talk, let's talk more about, I didn't say at the beginning, but you pointed out if, if in case I didn't say Tim is the owner and one of the brewers <laughs> and, but I remember this, I remember asking you questions early on because I had brewed the bucket version. Didn't go well. You were making stuff. It's going well. Now you have so much equipment and you've explained to me five or more times, this does this, this does this. And I, I, I remember some of it, but sometimes I get kind of intimidated because I'm like, I'm never going to have that piece of equipment, you know? <clears throat> so walk me through, walk us through how beer is made and try, try to use the terms that we can understand because some of the some of the pieces of equipment we'll never have. <laughs> so what? How did? How is beer made? All right, um, <laughs> let me take a shot at a, at a really high level. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the ingredients. Uh, the main ingredients in beer is uh, you've got water, malted barley, hops, and yeast. And um, so first off, water. We have great water here in Boone. Mm -hmm. Fantastic water. You right. know, it just rains. It goes into the river, and they pull that out, and that's our city water. It's fantastic to make beer with. Um, barley, uh, barley is a is a grass, so it grows in fields, and they harvest that grass, and it's basically they're harvesting the little kernels that are the seeds. That's just barley at that point. It actually in making beer, we actually use what's called malted barley. So uh, barley goes to a, a what's called a maltster or a company that basically um, creates environment to maximize the amount of starch in the seeds and then they stop that process and then they either dry it out or they kiln it or or uh, roast it okay. bake it yeah to, to different levels and, and it and that's, makes it darker it creates different or, colors okay. and different flavor profiles and we can talk some a little bit about flavors but that but basically there's a malt house that creates a malted barley so that and then you've got so hops. when I say I like something that's malty I mean it's been malt it's malted barley yeah, when you say you like malty beers, typically what that means is um, beers where there's maybe a little bit more sweetness that's uh, left okay. in the, in the. And we'll talk about beer, more of the tastings yeah, and all so, that later. So yeah. ingredients wise, then you've got hops. Hops are basically a type of a flour. Okay. And then, um, then you've got yeast. It's a single cell organism that eats sugar and creates alcohol. So that's kind of the ingredients. Okay. At the highest level, the process works like this: you take the malted barley and you crack it open. You add hot water to it. And the hot water, basically, there's a chemical reaction that happens with the hot water combining with the starches that are in the malted barley that creates sugars. Right. So now you just got sugar water. And then you boil that sugar water and you add hops during that process that add both um, bitterness and flavors. And you boil it and then you cool it down and you put it into a, what we call a, a fermentation vessel or a, a tank yeah. where you're, you basically put the sugar water and then you add yeast to it. 
which I just saw. Which yeah, Jason yeah. just saw. We were in the brewery. We, we were adding yeast yeah. to a batch of beer that we just made. Yeah. And then the yeast eat the sugars. Okay. And they create the alcohol that's in beer as well as they also have uh, influence on other flavors that are there. But And you have some control of how much they eat. And that affects the alcohol level, right? Yeah. So the right, exactly the the way we control the how much alcohol you end up with a, in a beer. It, there's a lot more to it than this, but at the highest level is the more malt or the more the more malt you add, the barley malt that you add in a recipe, the higher alcohol you're going to get because the more of that barley malt that you add, the more sugar, sugar you're going to get. Right. And the more sugar you have, the more sugar that the yeast can eat. The more sugar that they eat, the more alcohol that gets made. So you can right. control that um, by just how much of that of the barley goes into a recipe. So at the super highest level, that's that's how you make beer. It typically takes um, most of the beers that we're doing are about fourteen day or so beers. Yeah. So from the day that we actually um, are creating, you know, the sugars and you know, add the yeast to the beer all the way until it gets packaged is about two weeks time come a long way since the God is good moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know we have, there are thousands of different, I think I read the other day, like 1500 different strains of yeast. Wow. Out there that they've identified. And surely, certainly there's, there's many more, but um, lots and lots of different kinds of yeast that you can use in the brewing process that give different flavors and for brewing different styles. And so, so not only do you live in a community that you love, but you also have good water, which you already have a head start in making good beer. We do. We have amazing water. Um, those of you that are listening that may be familiar with Asheville and the, and the beer scene in Asheville, um, and uh, if you look in, in the in the states where the the highest concentration of really highly regarded breweries are, you've got Colorado, Oregon, California, Western North Carolina is certainly on the map, and a lot of it has to do with water. Wow. Um, so we have great water. You can make great beer and not have and not start with great water, but it's a lot harder. You actually have to take um, things out of the water before yeah. you can even get started. And here, it's pretty much a clean slate to brew any kind of beer we want. So we have fantastic water here. So where were we on it? How do you so, know when the beer's done? How do you know when it's yeah, a drinkable, so, ready beer? So when it's finished, uh, when the yeast are finished, they, they basically eat as much of the sugars they, as they can. And then when they're done, they actually um, clump together and fall out to the bottom of the tank and the activity, the fermentation basically stops at that point. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's a way to measure that process. It's basically based upon um, a measurement of how much sugar you started with and how much sugar you have at the end. And you can calculate how much alcohol you have and you can kind of, there's their measurement and there's tools that you can use to determine is the beer finished or not. Wow. Then it gets carbonated and it gets packaged and it gets delivered to the, to the customers. That's amazing. All right. So I've got plenty of friends that like good quality beer. Boonshine certainly part of that rhythm and people are talking about it. Almost all my friends are talking about Boonshine and we like to maybe convince ourselves that we understand what it is that we're tasting. But oftentimes I'm convinced we don't really know. And that's okay. I think you can live a nice, long, happy, healthy life and barely understand it and still enjoy it. But let's talk about how how we can understand what we're drinking. Walk us through, maybe walk us through 
some flavor notes and how to taste beer and also maybe educate us on the different types of beer because sometimes people throw around a phrase like porter they don't really know what that means yeah so let's start with um different types oh, yeah, and, yeah. and then let's talk about maybe some of the flavors that um the different types of, the, of beer and there are lots of different beer styles but at the highest level there's basically just sort of two main types of beer there's ales and there's lagers so there's oh. sort of two classifications at the highest level and what makes those two things different really is the family of yeast all right so there's ale yeasts and lots of different types of ale yeast and then there's lager yeast and and different kinds of lager yeast so at the highest level you've got ales and lagers got um, it. any kind of um you know american light lager so you know big beer is, is one way to describe it those would all be lagers all right um a lot of craft beer are actually ales um porters and stouts are ales lots of different kinds of beers that are ales but um, smaller craft breweries tend to make more ales than lagers that's changing a little bit now but at the highest level you've got ales and lagers and then underneath that you've got different styles um, ales whether a beer is an ale or a lager has nothing to do with the color okay. of the beer has really nothing to do with the flavor of the beer it just has to do with the kind of yeast uh, that was used the family of yeast that was used to make it a lot of times got people it. think that all lagers are light in color and ales might be dark. Right. And there's a lot of things there, but those really aren't, those are misconceptions. I see. So at the highest level, ales and lagers. Um, another question that we get, um, <coughs> people ask frequently and be like, what's the difference between like a porter and a stout? Uh, absolutely. Right? I have that conversation plenty of times with people. Yeah. So um, I would say uh, not a whole lot. There's not a lot of difference. Um, porters were a style that, that originated over in England it was a, a safer way to a safer beverage for those that were working as porters on the docks, uh, and it was safer than the water at the time. It was right. relatively low alcohol, so that style kind of got developed in England. And um, stouts is actually a subcategory; actually came from porters. The primary difference between the two is that stouts typically have some roasted barley in it, and porters typically don't. That's sort of the might be more of a technical difference but they're very closely related and that's what you know you taste them and they taste pretty similar too so what are they though what, what makes a porter or a stout i mean they're dark i tend to think of them as having kind of um i don't know maybe a chocolatey vibe <laughs> malty vibe yeah but why so, are they dark and why are they porters yeah, so, and stouts? And we'll transition a little bit into flavors. The reason that they're dark has to do with the kind of, of malted barley that's used in the recipe. And uh, the barley can be malted. There's different levels of flavor. There's really light um, malted barley where you might get flavors that are sort of sweet or biscuity in character. Um, you might The next level down might be sort of spicy or cereal kinds of um, characters down to um, caramelized, so yeah. some caramelized malts where there's some caramelized sugars, almost like you could just, the, the caramelized malt, you could almost just like eat as breakfast cereal. It tastes, right. um, it's got nice sugars in it. All the way down, then you get a little bit further down and you've got like um, coffee flavors, roasted flavors, dark, um, almost all the way down to sort of the, this roasted, dark roasted, almost all the way down to burnt flavors. Yeah. In the dark malts. So porters and stouts have a percentage of dark malt in them. A lot of people 
also think that dark beers are very different from light beers. Right. And right. Like heavier or more calories or something like that. Right. And in reality, if you actually were to look at a, a recipe for a porter, for example, versus a beer that was light in color, maybe a pale ale, um, about 90% of the barley malt ingredient in a porter is still light in color. And only wow. about 10% of the malt is actually dark and gives it the roasted flavors and all that color. So the difference wow. in ingredients is actually pretty small, yeah. even though the difference in flavors is larger. And are they, are, are you said they're ales? Mm-hmm. So... So let's talk about ales because there's a kind of a color spectrum of ales. I've always wanted to talk to you about this. We've talked about some of it over the years, but you've got a pale ale. You've got a brown ale, mm-hmm. a red ale. And I've always wanted to ask you, is there a difference between a black ale and a porter? If a porter is also a dark ale. What, yeah, why are, are those two phrases different from each other? Um, not they're not really different in terms of the the product itself. I mean, there are there are some black like a uh, we make a black IPA mm-hmm. as an IPA that happens to be dark in color. Um, there's like sort of dark um, lagers on the lager side of spectrum yeah. as well, but um, they're not um, they're not they're not very different. So, if a beer's dark, it's going to get its color from dark malt. So talk through, so you, let's you use like a dark IPA or a black IPA. Yeah. If an IPA is an ale mm-hmm. and it's dark, mm-hmm. so you've added those darker uh, barley, but a porter is also that, it's yeah. the same. Why are they different things? Yes, yeah, so um, a lot of it comes down to just the style of beers and how those styles of beers were defined. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, let's just talk about we could just talk about beer as a whole, yeah. ales and lagers as a whole. Yeah. Um, the way a lot of beer styles happened to be defined over the years had to do with um, where they were made. Yeah. Um, so Germany. Let's let's contrast Germany I and. See. and, and England, for example. Yeah. Um, in England, their water source was uh, had a little bit. They had a higher mineral content in their water source than Germany did, where they were making yeah. beer in in Germany. In Germany, they had water more akin to what we have here, very very clean and I see um, neutral water source. Yeah. And so in Germany, they were able to make lighter beers that tasted great. In England, they were able to make darker beers that tasted great. But I but in experimenting with different recipes and flavors in England, they would have found out over the years that it was harder for them to make a light beer that tasted right because okay. of their water source. Oh, I see. <clears throat> so That's a lot amazing. Of, so porters and stouts developed in England. Yeah. Um, pilsners and lagers in you know Czechoslovakia, Germany. You know, What's a, what Europe. is a pilsner? A pilsner is just a type of lager okay so it's in the lager classification and it just has a very light there's a there's a malt a malted barley called pilsen or, okay. or pilsner malt and it's just very light in I color see. and light in flavor so that's, that's awesome that so so on on ales you can have very light ales all the way to very dark ales and same with lagers. and that has to do with how much of the barley was malted and how what kind of how process, dark the malt how dark is ultimately yep 
how far it was roasted or kilned or baked, you know, All as, right. as part of that process. Yep. Let's talk about what is actually among the least favorite of mine, but I think culturally has become the big thing to talk about. It is hop, hops and hoppy beer and hoptastically hoppy. Everything's hoppy and everyone says they want hoppy stuff. What do they mean yeah. when they say they like that? What are they really saying? What is that? Um, a couple of different things. When people say uh, they like hoppy beers, uh, they, um, I would say they, they are okay with bitterness in beer, typically. Um, some IPAs and hoppy beers tend to be a little more bitter than other beers. But also, and more so these days with um, the way beer styles are going, that means they like the flavors that come from hops. And you can get a, a really wide spectrum of flavors that can come from hops. Hops are flowers, basically, and they grow on vines. They actually grow up. And so you can see like a hop field and it would just be lots and lots of big strings that they're growing or wires that they're growing up. Yeah. And uh, they're a little bit like wine grapes are actually a lot like wine grapes in terms of you can even have the same variety of hops grown in say Oregon, for example, and grown in North Carolina, for example, and they would be completely different in terms of wow. the character of the hops. And so you've got lots of different kinds of hops that are grown different parts in the world. In the United States, the most common uh, areas for growing hops is Washington State, Oregon, and Idaho. Oh, okay. Um, you also have hops that grow in Germany and the UK. You've got some Australia and New Zealand. And can you grow them around here? Is you it can grow them here in North Carolina. They'll grow and they look great and they're kind of a cool plant to see, but they don't develop as far I see. in North Carolina. We just don't have enough sunlight during the day in terms of hours ah, I see. as areas that are more suitable for hops that develop into some of the, the desirable flavors. But, but when people say they like hops, first off, they're okay with bitterness. Second, they might like flavors. These are all flavors that can come from hops. You've got everything from herbal and piney mm -hmm. to fruity and citrusy and tropical and floral yeah. and spicy. And I think it's all of those things um, that combined that um, make people who like um, IPAs, for example, that really enjoy and they say, I like hoppy beers. But technically all beer, like you said earlier, all beer has hops. Yeah, technically um, these days it does all have so even hops. something that's not a hoppy beer has hops. Correct. But a hoppy beer has more hops or just stronger flavors of hops? Um, both. It depends on how the hops are used. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Uh, whether they're used to add bitterness or whether they're used later in the process to add more flavor. But um, it could mean either more bitterness or more, more hop flavor. Mm -hmm. When people say they don't like hoppy beers, nine times out of ten, they just mean they don't really like beers that are too bitter. Gotcha. Because if you were asked, if you were to say, well, do you like citrusy flavors? Um, they would probably, or fruity flavors, they would probably say, yeah, sure, I like right. fruit. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, right, right. Um, but typically when people say they don't like hoppy beers, is they just don't like beers that are too bitter. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's a little bit about then some flavors that, that come from hops. And we talked a little bit about the malt as well. Yeah, that was, so that's really that spectrum and the palate and um, that combination of the hop and the malt. Assuming there's good water, yeah. it's this combination of what kind of hops and how much of them, what kind of barley and how much malt was added or the malt process was and how dark did it become. What's the spectrum of ale? It's from light to dark. How would you describe what that spectrum is like in terms of pale or 
white or you know what's that yeah special? i would say everything from as light as you can possibly make the beer like really light like straw color like super light straw all the way to just sort of as black and dark as you can make it the yeah. whole spectrum yeah same with same with lagers actually as well really so light, i don't see too much of that to very dark i don't i don't ever think of someone saying uh, uh, can i have a an amber lager. I normally yeah, just, when I hear amber, I think ale. An amber lager example would be an Oktoberfest. Oh, really? Very commonly had a little bit more color. Or a black lager, um, there's a beer called a Schwartz beer, um, is one particular style. It's actually like very dark in color. You Looking at it, you might think it's a stout, but it would actually be a lager. So both, both That's uh, awesome. classifications of beer can be light all the way to dark. Well, do you have any advice on somebody just trying to develop their palate for tasting notes? Because it's one thing to listen to this conversation is another to sip on it. And Yeah, I would say, uh, first off, don't be intimidated by the process. There's no, if you're tasting something, um, whether it's beer or whether it's, you know, just food that you're eating or some bread that you've baked, um, there's no right or wrong answers. It's just what you taste. So I would say, don't be intimidated by the process. But I always, if you're tasting a beer, I always, the, the if you look up like how to taste beer, it typically will start with, you know, the visually, what does it look like? What's the color? We talked a lot about that. What is there a foamy head on the top of it? Or is there not? What does it look like? And then, and then what does it smell like? You know, hold it up to your nose and what are you smelling? A lot of what we taste actually comes from what we smell. So that's important. Uh-huh. And then taste it, take a small taste and taste it and see what you taste. I always like to say, take two sips you can't you can sort of taste the first sip but you really need yeah. a couple sips to really taste what right. you're tasting and then once you do that just ask yourself what are you tasting is it sweet is it sour is it salty is it you know is it you tasting coffee or are you tasting fruit you know there's there's a whole spectrum yeah. there um, but i would say you know, don't be intimidated by it but if you think consciously about what you're tasting whether it's beer or wine or food or anything like you can actually develop um, more of a sense for the flavor. But do you recommend tasting. looking online and finding kind of the flavor wheels and having them on hand, or would that be too much of like the power of suggestion? What do you think? Yeah, I would. I would say don't don't too too much research into it. Just taste something and and just relate it to something that you're familiar. Oh, okay. With. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that you know you you moved your actual place that you brew to this new location. You've been here. How long have you been in the new one? We've been brewing here um, in our new location since June of last year. And you're, there's plans. You're actively renovating to, to have a restaurant and tasting room soon. So summer is the goal, right? Summer 2019 is the goal. And I think what Boonshine and plenty of other local companies are doing is making... Boone, a more desirable place, even more desirable place, not just the weather, but community, local businesses, making local products, thriving. Talk about why you called Boonshine Boonshine and kind of what you want this place to be. Yeah, so um, a friend of ours uh, actually came up with the name. So you should call your brewery Boonshine. And we kind of laughed at first because you think you think Boonshine, Moonshine. Mm-hmm. And that sort of fits. We could have gone in that direction with marketing and everything. Yeah. But we decided that the more we thought about it, we we kind of chuckled because, okay, you think about moonshine. But the more we thought about it, the more we liked it because we could focus on things that make boon shine. 
or Boone yeah. in the high country. And so there's any number of those things you've already mentioned. It's the, it's the people, it's the community, it's, it's the university here. It's, you know, it's the beautiful landscapes. It's the outdoor, uh, outdoors that we all get to enjoy. And so, um, we are very much supporters of that. And, and we are investing in Boone. Um, and specifically right. where we moved the brewery, we moved the brewery over to a part of town that didn't really have a name. Yeah. And um, we we sat down with um, others that had some business over here, uh, Jeremy from Hatchet Coffee and yeah. Chris from Center 45. And we said, you know, we should, we should call this part of town something. Yeah. And we all kind of landed on East Boone. And so the name has sort of taken off. It's People are starting to recognize this part of town as East Boone. We are super excited about bringing something new to East Boone. We've got the brewery here, but we're building a tasting room and a restaurant. And yeah. We're targeting early summer oh, we're yeah. right next to Brookshire Park. The, we're in the sunlight all day long. We're going to have like a big timber frame outdoor covered porch. Yeah. And I uh, was super excited about it. But, but what makes me most excited is just to be able to give back something to this community. Yeah. And so that's why we're doing it. I'm look. I, I love the vision you have for it because this was a just a big building, and there's just sort of trees. And when you said no, that's Brookshire Park right there. And now a bunch of it's cleared out. The idea of a place called Boonshine, and I'm here today. We walked around. Sun is shining. We walk around the facility. There's a staff of people making really good beer. There, it, we watched people walking around Brookshire Park jog people jogging people walking their dogs you're going to have indoor seating with an awesome space inside and outdoor seating covered outdoor seating yes covered outdoor seating which is cool because we sometimes hate to admit but boone is not always right. shining it rains every once in a while here <laughs> right but we can make boone shine anyway that's right uh and and uh in east boone so that's um what what road are we on we're on, um, well, and technically we're on the corner of Industrial Park and Brookshire. Oh, okay, yeah. But really, once you're, once you're live here, people just put in their phone, Boonshine, right. and find you. But I love where this is headed. Uh, let's wrap it up with this. Just like, whether it's at the upcoming restaurant and tasting room, or any other places that sell Boonshine, or even if it's not Boonshine, how how can beer just be a really good thing for a community? Not not so much. I'm not talking about business, but just the beverage. If when you and I sit down, if it's in a restaurant, in a tasting room, or in a living room, or on a porch, why is that a good thing? Yes, I like to think of um, one of the things I like to think about with beer is that it, there's something about sitting down at the end of the day, yeah, with a pint of beer and sharing a conversation with someone there's just something about that experience that that i mean almost feels sacred yeah but there's also something about that experience that i think helps bring out your story whether yeah. whether you're new friends or old friends just sitting down enjoying a beer it doesn't necessarily have to be a beer maybe it's a cup of coffee or maybe you know if you're you're not a beer drinker that there, there's no problem with that at all or but, locally but sourced like food a, like a yeah, farm a nice meal yeah. exactly but there's something, you know, you're sitting down at the end of the day. And in my case, we're sitting down at the end of the day with something that, you know, I played a small part in yeah. making and sharing that with someone. There's something about it that helps people feel free to share their stories. And when you share your stories with each other, you're building community. 
Yeah. And that's really to me what it's all about. I agree. So so let's let's sim- we sort of just did this, but let's try to simplify the concept of beer without sacrificing depth. What what is not what is beer? You went, but how do we wrap this conversation up with what you just said, the idea of sharing a story. Connect. You just told me the story of beer. You just told me some of the story of yourself, the story of Boonshine. But how can we how can we sit down with that beer and connect it with stories? Try to sum that up for us just in a sentence or two. What do we do with this podcast and make this a God is good moment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I would say, you know, if you're a beer drinker, you can go down this path of, of, of beer. If you're not, that that is totally fine. But it, assuming you're a beer drinker, I think the next time you sit down to enjoy a beer with someone, think about a little bit about the story of beer, but think more about how, you know, sharing your story and how yeah. you can connect with that person. So, if, you know, if, if the story great. of beer can help spark a conversation for you to share your story, it would be all worth it. I love that. It's simple. It's just, you can know all the intricate things of the flavor and the story leading up to it or not. But you can connect that with listening to another story, sharing your own story. Man, thanks so much, Tim. I'm really looking forward to when the restaurant and tasting room opens and um, and just invite people who are listening to, to come and grab a drink or just grab a seat and have a conversation and, and uh, continue to help make Boone shine. So thanks so much for your time and your story. Thanks for your contribution to the high country. I mean, really... You guys are making this place a better place to live and be. And thanks for inventing or coining the phrase East Boone. I guess that's 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 Boonshine, that's Hatchet, that's Center 45, that's a Hollow Moon Tattoo. Stick Boy Bread. Stick Boy Bread, right. They they expanded their bakery, right? That's awesome, man. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. All right, well, thanks for tuning in to Things About Things. You can go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things. God is good. 